there's a couple coming up here. Uh, to actually, no, Heather's not going to come. Uh, Nick's going to come up and speak. What, here's what I love about these guys. There's, there's a passage in Isaiah, the Old Testament, where Isaiah goes into the Holy of Holies. He has a dream, and he goes to the Holy of Holies, and, and he sees God face to face, and he, his first thought is, woe is me, right? Kind of our translation is like, crud, right? So he, he looks, sees God in his perfection and goes, he says this. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, I am so messed up compared to how great God is. And then he throws everyone else under the bus. He goes, and I come from a people of unclean lips, right? He's like, I'm so messed up in light of God, and so is everyone I've ever met, right? All my people, God, and then God says, he hears the voice of God. He hears God say, who will go for me? Who will go for me? And this is the guy that just said, uh, I'm messed up. Everyone I've ever met is messed up. And then God says, who will go for me? And he goes, I'll go. Like, if you'll, like let, if you'll have me, like, send me. And God doesn't go, okay, well, here's, like, the plan. And here's, you know, let's, let's, like, vet you. And you know, like, make sure. It's, let's crowdsource it. What does Twitter think? You know, and he just goes, go. Go. Right? And we'll kind of figure it out. Along. Jesus did the same thing. He's like, you want to be a disciple? Come on, follow me. Let's go. We'll figure it out on the way. We've got a lot of conversations to have. We're going we're gonna to do a lot of walking. But let's go, right? And so when I think about Nick and Heather, I think about that. They, they'll tell a little bit of their story, but they were not, you, when we first met, I never would have thought missionaries, right? Like the last I would have thought. Not because they're unqualified. I'm just like, they just don't fit the mold of what I think of a missionary, there are just people who saw a need and was like, I can't just go back home now. Like, I can't just support this. Some of us are called to support. Some of us are called to go. And there was this posture of like, I don't know how, how we're going to raise enough money. I don't know how to live overseas. I don't know if I can, like, not have all the nice stuff that I have right now. But God, I'll go. Like, if I can help, I'll go. And so that's, that's them. They're going to tell you a little more about their story. Before we launched this, I was telling the production worship team before service. I remember sitting on our couch when we decided, Nellie and I, to plant the church. And uh, we're like, okay, <laughs> this is maybe a career. One of my best friends told me to talk about this is career suicide. It's like, okay, thanks, cool. Uh, pray for us. So um, <laughs> thanks for the encouragement. But I remember going, okay, God, we need to buy like a ream of paper. I think it was like $7 or something like that. I was like, okay, God, we need $7 to buy. The, our first thing ever we bought for the church was paper. And... Uh, and then we're, we, so we, we're going to start raising money for the church to start this thing called Voice Church. And, and we really felt like before we ever raise a dollar for us, before we ever buy anything for the church, even if it's just a real paper, we want to give first. And at, it was around the same time that Nick and Heather were going on the mission field. We go, okay, we're going to support them as monthly missionaries, even though we don't have a dollar yet. <laughs> we feel like we're supposed to do that so that we can set the tone because your values of, of yourself, of an organization are not, figured out later, they're pre-choice choices. You know what I mean? They're like, it's not like I'm going to be stingy now but generous when I make a million bucks. No, you're gonna, if you're stingy now, you're going to be stingy a million bucks. If you're generous with a dollar, you'll be generous with a million dollars. So we're like, we want to be generous now so we can be generous later. And so I remember going, I don't want to write this check. <laughs> I need to buy paper. We don't have any money. But, um, but yeah, and to see what God's done through them. So with that, give you kind of a, a brief overview of, the, of what they do and then uh, Nick's going to come up and share kind of what's going on, how we've supported them and what they're doing, and some stories and ways you can pray going forward. 
and a little uh, challenge for us as well. So with that, let's roll the video and you'll get an idea of what they're doing. Jesus is what motivates us, and we are desperate to have people know who he is. That is why we raise up local leaders, spread the gospel, train disciples, and inspire the church to world missions. The gospel has the power to transform. It will not just transform their lives now, but it will see human trafficking ended all around the world. So we raise awareness, rescue those already trapped, and restore the lives of everyone involved. Since 2002, we have seen thousands come to faith in Christ and rescued children from some of the most horrific situations imaginable. We fight for the lost, we fight for the oppressed, we fight for children. That is what we do with people of faith. We are innovating all around the globe to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Join the fight. Well, good morning, Voice Church. Um, it is such an honor to be here with you guys. And the last time my wife and I were here uh, was three years ago. We were meeting at a different location. And uh, most of you I've never even met before, I would have seen some familiar faces uh, coming back through the door. And it just filled my heart as I was looking through or looking around during worship time and just seeing people who are still here. Uh, you guys have been through a lot over these last two years in particular, and uh, it is just so amazing to see Voice Church not just standing on a solid ground, but they are a light to a community. And, uh, I mean, Jesus does all that, but you guys have the most amazing leaders in Taka and Natalie. Um, we have known them, my wife and I, we have known them for about 10 years now. Like Taka said, uh, Heather was... Uh, his assistant for a few years. Uh, those were the most stressful years of my life. <laughs> Wait, you've got to do what? Yeah, if you know Taka, yeah. Uh, but no, we, we love them. We've known their girls since they were little. We consider them friends of ours, and it is truly an honor just to call them friends. And if you guys are friends with Taka and Natalie, you know exactly what I mean. Uh, the thing I love about them is they have such a heart for people. Um, and you don't see that a lot, even in the church anymore, it seems like, which is just so counterculture of what a church should be. Uh, ever since I've known Taka, he's been about getting to the people. He's been the people's pastor. And that's what I've just always uh, just admired about him. And, and things like doing a bone marrow transplant drive and, and stem cell, like it's just amazing uh, on his heart for the community. He wants everyone to just be touched by Jesus. And Natalie is the exact same way. They just pour into people and uh, in ways that you just rarely find these days. And these are the type of people who uh, there's another uh, pastor, author. His name's Bob Goff. Uh, he makes me love people the way that Jesus loved people more than anybody else. And that's what I think of when I think of Taka and Natalie is they make me want to love people more. Uh, they challenge me. They convict me. And uh, we're just so grateful. Heather and I are so grateful to be here and just uh, share this space with you today. So thank you so much for having us come back um, and just sharing with you guys. So my wife and I, Heather, she's here. She can stand up. She's the better, the better of us. 
I'm going to actually hand her the mic right now. She doesn't know. I'm just kidding. She hates that. She hates it. I asked her if she wanted to share it all. She's like, nope, you just go right ahead. Um, so pray for me and pray that all my notes come through today and everything. Uh, but we are missionaries in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And like the video that you saw, we work for an organization called Zoe International. Uh, Zoe International is actually based out of uh, Santa Clarita, California. So not too far from here, just a couple hours uh, north. And uh, this is actually their 20-year anniversary this year. So they are doing a big fundraising gala. I don't know if it's gala or gala. What do you say? Gala? Gala? They're doing a big fundraising gala uh, in October, uh, and they're just continuing the vision. So uh, they started 20 years ago uh, when some came to their church. Came to their church. Uh, we're doing the remix version today in church. Uh, Should I just use this one? Okay. Oops, sorry. Um, so they had a missionary come to their church, and they shared about human trafficking 20 years ago or so, and it just wrecked their world. And, you know, 20 years ago, no one was even really talking about human trafficking. It wasn't really on the map anywhere, uh, but it was so predominant in a lot of parts of the world, um, and it just wrecked them. And they... They had a very successful life uh, in California, uh, working in the motion, motion picture industry, you know, custom home, custom everything. And after a missionary came and shared uh, to their church about human trafficking, it just wrecked them. And they went home and prayed and said, God, what do you want me to do about it? And basically God said, now I need your life uh, for this cause. So if you're sitting in the room, uh, I'm sorry if God tells you that also because you never know what's going to happen uh, when a missionary comes to your church. Uh, but I just prayed before that God would just speak through me. So don't blame me if he calls you on the mission field or calls you to do something crazy. You can just have a conversation with God about it. Um, <clears throat> but they, they established this organization 20 years ago. And uh, the first place that they wanted to really put boots on the ground was in Thailand. And Thailand was a, a trafficking hub of children, uh, and it still is. It's still known around the world as one of the trafficking hubs. Uh, but 20 years ago, you could walk in certain parts of the cities, and a taxi driver or somebody else could approach you with a little piece of paper, and it had uh, kids' faces on it, and they called it a kitty menu. And they said, you just choose the kid, and they're yours for the night, for however long you want them, however long you want to pay for them. They're yours. And this is real. This happens not just in Thailand. It happens in other parts of the world. It still does. It just looks a little bit different now. Now it's, it's predominantly online. I just read a study today that was saying that uh, 60, I think it was 67% of children who are being exposed for human trafficking are being sold through online. Like their presence is through Facebook. It's through, you know, the dark web. It's, it's, in our communities, it's everywhere. Uh, just last month, there was a teenage girl who went to the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks basketball game. I don't know if you heard this. And she went to the bathroom. Her father was in the stands. She went to the bathroom, and she never came back. She was taken out of the stadium by traffickers who moved her to Oklahoma City, or Oklahoma, and it took a little bit for them to track her down, but she was finally able to be rescued out of a hotel 
And this is happening in our community. And there's a reason why Zoe is in L.A. We have a home in Santa Clarita. It happens here. You guys know it. It happens here. It happens in California. It happens in Tustin, probably. It happens in Los Angeles. Um, so right now they say that there are 40 million people enslaved in human trafficking. 40 million. I look today at the population of California, and it's 39 million. So if you take the entire population, every single person who lives in California, imagine them being enslaved in human trafficking. And that's what we're facing in the world today in 2022. See, I think with a lot of Americans, through our education system, we think that slavery ended at the end of the Civil War. But it didn't. It just looks different. They say right now uh, they, they anticipate upwards of 17,000 children being trafficked in the United States alone. 17,000. And now, when I, when I talk about human trafficking, a lot of people, they don't really get what it is yet. They hear the term a lot now. So the best way that it's defined today is it's actually defined as modern-day slavery. Uh, the majority of people enslaved in human trafficking are in the sex industry. And I think a lot of people view it as a choice. They don't really view it as what it truly is, as slavery, as being forced to do it. I think some people have a, a skewed opinion of this girl, she's choosing to do this because that's what she says because that's kind of what she has to say. But it's not true. She's being forced to do it. There's cases uh, where children have been sold upwards of 40 times a day. 20 is not out of the ordinary. Think about that, 20 times a day. And this is the reality of what's going around our world right now. They say that human trafficking generates $150 billion a year, that it's the fastest-growing organized crime in the world. So there's drugs, there's human trafficking, and there's gun trafficking, and it's going to eclipse drug trafficking very soon. Because if I have drugs, I can sell it one time, and I don't have anything until I go back and get some more drugs to sell. But with a human, I can sell this person, and as soon as they're done, they come back to me, and then I sell them again, and then I sell them again, and I sell them again. And this is how children are being sold 40 times a day around the world, 20 times a day. One time is too many. I think we can all agree on that. One time in a lifetime is too many. But if you're being sold 40 times over the course of one week, do that math. Five days, how many is that? 200 times? 200 times in one week, in a five-day course? Over the course of one seven-day week? That's 300 times. Or no, yeah, close to that. And it's just too much. And when my wife and I, we heard about it, the realities of this, I went on my first missions trip uh, nine years ago to Zoe. And I went there and I served and I learned. But what I saw most was I saw children who were trafficked, whose now lives were being restored through the power of Jesus. And I saw them lifting their hands in worship. And I saw them praying. We had a prayer night. 
and, and you would sit there and you would be praying for an hour straight and then all of a sudden these little hands come up to you and they just lay their hands on you and they pray for you. They pray for you because they know who God is. They know what God is capable of doing and they're praying the biggest blessings over your life. And while I was on that trip, I felt God was telling me, this is your home. This is where you belong. This is where I'm calling you. And it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do to leave to go back to America after only 10 days there. And Heather picked me up from the airport. We were just dating at this time. I think we were dating for 11 months. And she picked me up at the airport, and I said, as, as good as it is to see you, I'm ready to jump on a 22-hour flight and head back. And for any of you who have ever jumped on a 22-hour flight to Asia, it's not fun. It's... Nobody likes to sit on a plane for 22 hours, but I would happily do it because I knew that's where God was calling me. And it was a journey for us to get there. It took a couple more years. Heather went the following year on a missions trip, and she finally understood all the things that I was talking about. And then about two more years, we went on another one, and that's where we really got the confirmation from God that this is where we are belonging to, to serve. These are the people. This is where he's called us. So in 2018, we moved on the mission field full-time. Um, and like Taka said, they started supporting us before there was even a voice church. Um, I think it was about six months before we actually moved on the mission field. I was at work, and he sent me a text message and said, Hey, uh, Natalie and I, we don't even have a building. We don't even have a congregation. We don't have an offering. We don't have a missions fund. Nothing. But we believe in what you guys are doing, and we want to partner with you. And... You want to talk about humbling? That was probably one of the most humbling text messages I've ever gotten in my life. And he goes, look, it's not that much money. But you don't understand uh, what a little bit does out of faith. I mean, the sequoia trees that you see that are hundreds of feet tall, the seeds are tiny. And what Taka and Natalie have done is they've never missed a month. Voice Church has never missed a month of supporting Heather and I. During covid when churches were shutting down, I, I sent Taka an email. I said, hey, man, you don't have to send us money during this time. Like, we get it. Churches, like, there's nobody going to church. You, don't, you have to figure all this out. He said, no way. We're never missing a month. That's how faithful of leaders you guys have, that when times get hard, they don't run. Your leaders here, they dig in, and they fight. And that's the type of leaders that every church should want and that's the type of leaders we have at Zoe also. Our founders, Mike and Carol Hart, they're from, uh, like I said, they're from the California area. And they didn't want to just stay in Thailand. So now we're operating, as you saw in the video, <coughs> out of Japan, Australia, Mexico, and Los Angeles. So we're five countries right now. And each country looks a little bit different at what they're doing. Um, but it is amazing work that they're doing. And our mission statement that we have, it's reach every person and rescue every child. So what that looks like is reach every person with the gospel, so evangelism, and then rescue every child from human trafficking. So they put, like, our goals as the two hardest goals in the world possible, to evangelize the entire world. Okay, that's one mission itself that you can spend forever doing. And the other one is how do you stop human trafficking as it continues to rise around the world? During the last two years of this pandemic, traffickers, have found more and more and more vulnerable people to prey on. We think it's bad here. There was a team 
when COVID first hit, that uh, Zoe, we got food bags together, survival bags, we call them, and we went to some of the most remote villages that you could ever find, and it was hard to find them. And this was communities that had nothing, and we brought food for them and supplies for them just to get them through. And this one man, he came out and greeted our team, and uh, he could not believe what we were giving him. He couldn't believe, it was, it was rice, and it was food and supplies for him and his family. And he just couldn't believe it. He says, no, you don't understand. He goes, my family and I, the only thing that we've been able to eat and survive off of is we have this little mango tree in our yard. We've had to pick green mangoes to eat. And that's all we have. And he goes, what you guys have done for us is life-saving. Like you're saving our lives. And he didn't understand why. He's not a Christian. And he said, hang on one second. And he went and he grabbed two mangoes off of his trees. And he tried to give it to our team. And, of course, we, w- we wanted no part of taking his mangoes, right? But he said, no, what you did for me is something that I've never experienced in my life. And he goes, I just want to bless you guys back. And these are the types of communities that traffickers right now are preying on because there's children who don't have hope in this community. So traffickers are going to these villages, and they're saying, hey, we got some work down in the city. Hey, we have a restaurant. Hey, we have a a clothing store that we can set them up with work. And we'll pay them a good wage, and they'll send some money back to you guys. And it sounds good, because in desperate times, people don't process things all the way through. And what happens is they take the kid, and they don't have that job in the restaurant. They don't have the job in the clothing store. They're put to work for other ways. And sometimes the traffickers will send the money back to the family at first, so that way the, the family doesn't get suspicious. But then all of a sudden the money stops coming and they never hear from their kid again. And their kid is being put through some of the worst things imaginable every day of their life. The youngest child that we've ever been a part of a rescue was 18 months. 18 months. 18 months. Zoe focuses on 18 years and under. And we have right now a handful, at least a handful of kids who are under 10 years old in our care that have been brought to our facility for a new life. We care for children who are directly in human trafficking. We care for children who are the most at risk of human trafficking, which are usually like street kids um, who are in gangs or different things like that, who are in drugs. Uh, and we care for orphans. And the orphans are probably the most at risk because who's going to care for them? So Zoe jumps in and we, and we say, you know what? You can come here and we will be your family. And our goal is to find family for them to live with, like extended family, not just a foster family. We don't foster, we don't adopt our kids at Zoe. We try our best to find like their true blood for them to be raised because we believe that being raised by your blood, if it's in a safe home, even if you're poor, it's better than being raised in an establishment kind of like a children's home. Like we just know that families are the better solutions. So that's what we do. We fight for them. And uh, if they don't have any family, then they stay at Zoe. 
until maybe they graduate high school, maybe until they're old enough to get a job. Each child is different based off their mental stage, you know. And we just had four kids who graduated uh, high school from Zoe just a couple months ago. And these kids have grown up their whole lives, basically, at Zoe. They've been, I think they came when they were around, like, five or six years old. And now they're, like, 18, 19 years old. They just graduated high school. Three of them are on their way to university right now to study. Like, how amazing is that? What an opportunity. And think of the difference the course of their life has, has made because of Zoe, because Mike and Carol Hart 20 years ago said yes to the obedience of God And now they started this establishment, and these kids have basically lived their whole lives with them, and now they're off to college. One girl chose not to go to college. She didn't want to. You know what she's doing? She's working at a children's home. Like, how amazing, like, that she's gone through that dramatic of a change in her life that she now wants to pour into kids, that she wants to be a mom for kids who don't have moms. And we see story after story after story like this that come through Zoe. And uh, there's a couple verses that I want to share with you. Just give me a second. I got to pull up my notes on my computer. My computer went to sleep, so I must not be that entertaining to <laughs> my computer. Um, the first one. So a lot of people say, "Who is Zoe? Who is this person?" Uh, Zoe is not a person. It's actually a word. Um, it comes from the Greek, uh, and it's found in the uh, Bible verse John 10:10. 10, 10. It's a really famous Bible verse. And uh, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest or to the full. And you're thinking, where's Zoe in that verse? Uh, The Greek word for life is Zoe. That's the word that they used back in the day. So we believe that the life through Jesus, when a person accepts Christ, that is life to the fullest. And God is going to bless that life in a way that Without Jesus, you'll never experience. And uh, why, why do we choose what we do? And I think that verse is found in James one twenty seven, and that says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And let me tell you, there are so many orphans out there who need a family, but there's so many orphans out there who need Jesus. They need Jesus even more than they need a family. In Thailand alone, it's a 1% Christian nation. There's over 70 million people in the country, but only 1% of them are Christian. Missionaries have been coming to this country for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's still 1%. So Zoe, we we kind of take our foot off the gas pedal of the missionaries being the ones going out and preaching the gospel. In the video, it said we establish young leadership. And what that is, is there's a post-high school program for young adults all over the country of Thailand who come and study at Zoe for two years. They study business, Bible, and English. And when they study two years of Bible, it's four years worth of curriculum that they get in two years. It's super intense, These kids come because they want to be pastors, evangelists, worship leaders, and they are crazy about going into their community and preaching the gospel to whoever will listen to them. And we believe that if we want this nation of Thailand to change, it has to come from the local people. It does. Because they look different than us. We look different than them, actually. Uh, And their histories are pretty similar to the people that 
they're ministering to. When we go into a small remote village, they know that that's not where I come from. They know. Some of them feel ashamed that I'm even standing at their little shack of a house. But the people, these young adults who are in their 20s, this is where they come from. And they say, look, everything that we've been told about Buddhism in this culture is a lie. Let me tell you the truth. And they begin to boil down Christianity to the smallest, easiest, bite-sized thing, and they just evangelize. And so many people just, like, just turn their lives to Jesus, just like that. Once they hear it, Heather and I, we've gone to these same villages, and with translators, we've been able to share the gospel, and we've gone to homes where we say Jesus, and they say, who is that? They've never heard the name of Jesus, ever. They have no idea anything about who he is, what he did for us. And it's just so hard to comprehend that in this day and age, there's still people who have never heard the gospel. But there's billions. I think the video said 3.2 billion people are still unreached from the gospel. And we as the church, as Christians, we're all missionaries. Our missions just look different. For my wife and I, we had to sell everything. I had to walk away from a very successful career in sales. And we moved 8,000 miles away to a country that we spoke no Thai. My wife barely likes spicy food. And if you like Thai food, you know it's spicy. The spicier, the better. I love it. Uh, it's hot all year round. We're from snow and cold. Uh, so all of our cultural things are different, but we love it there. And we were just obedient. And uh, there's many things that we do at Zoe, uh, my wife and I in particular. Uh, I think the best way I can sum up my wife's role, uh, not even her role, but what she does the best, is she is a mother to so many kids. And it's the most beautiful thing to watch. As a husband, uh, we don't have our own children. Uh, and you know what? I don't know why. But sometimes I feel like it's because there's kids that need her love. And I think I, I sent over a few pictures. I'm not sure if we have one that we can throw up. I'll just give it a second. So this one. I'll use this one for an example first. This was actually just, I think, the day before we came back to the States. Uh, this girl, she never leaves Heather's side, ever. We're on a 35-anchor campus. And when she sees her, you will just hear her scream Heather's name from the top of her lungs. <coughs> And she will play, and she will jump on Heather's back. We're not getting any younger. Uh, we may look young, but we're not. Uh, we feel it the next day. And she will just never leave her side. And there's a Bible verse. Uh, you can go back to that first one. I'm sorry. There's a Bible verse that um, <coughs> I, always, I always share when we speak about what we do. And it's found in the Old Testament, actually, in the book of Isaiah. When Taka was talking about the book of Isaiah, I was like, please don't say the verse, please don't say the verse, please don't say the verse. Let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. And he didn't. Thank God. God is good, right? So it's Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. And uh, I feel like this is our heartbeat uh, for what we do. And just keep, keep that thought of 
Heather with that kid. And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedoms for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. I change it to Thailand. You can change it to California. You can change it to your street name. You can change it to your family. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his uh, splendor. And when I think of this verse, I think of every kid that Zoe rescues, every single one, because none of them, when they come to Zoe, are wearing oil of joy. None of them. They've had their childhood ripped out from them. They don't play with toys. They don't dream. They don't imagine what their life could be. They just hope that they can survive another day. That's all they hope. And when they come to Zoe and they get introduced to Jesus, when they are around people like my wife, and the amazing moms and dads at Zoe who just devote their lives to these kids, all of a sudden, they get oil of joy instead of ashes. They have a crown of beauty. And I think of this little girl, and that's what I see. That's what I see now. I see a girl who is wearing a crown of beauty instead of what she had to go through prior. You know, my wife and I, we are around these kids every day, every day, and we never once look at this kid as who they were, ever, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they were. It doesn't matter where they came from. We see them, when we look at this girl, we see who she is in this moment, and we dream and we pray and we believe for who she's going to be, because that's what God does. That's what we get to be a part of. And I would challenge you, maybe you don't work with children. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children that you have in your family. Don't worry about who they were. Maybe it's your family members, extended family members, your neighbor. Pray about who they're going to be. See, when I said, as Christians, we're all missionaries, we all share the same mission, and that's to evangelize to the world, to create disciples, and to make heaven more crowded. The churches don't have to be crowded. It can be small like this, and this is just as beautiful as any mega church out there. It's because there's depth here. It's because the church here is being a movement to their community, and they're, and they're evangelizing in ways that most people would never think to do. If you went across the street to your neighbor, knocked on their door, would they even know who you are? Other than maybe when they see you take out the trash or get your mail. Do they know your story? Do you know what they're going through? If you showed up with just a thing at dinner to bless them with, would they break down and cry because maybe they don't have food in the fridge and you have no idea? See, being a missionary doesn't mean having to move across the world. It just means you just need to move and do something. 
right? In Voice Church, I know our pastors here, they are missionaries all the way through. And they moved from Rockford, Illinois to Tustin, California. And that was a sacrifice to leave 30 below weather in winter and move to sunny California. That's a sacrifice, guys. (laughs) But when Taka said earlier, career suicide, if you knew the church that him and Natalie and my wife and I were a part of, if you knew his position, if you knew his role, it was career suicide for him to leave that and to plant a church here in California where there was no help. But he has been faithful. He has been a great missionary to this community. And there's a reason why, no matter what the enemy throws at this church, it still stands. It's because your leaders here are faithful. And as you as Christians, all you have to do is pray to God, what is it that you have for me? What is it that you have for me? And then just do it. It's scary. That's a scary prayer. But if you do it and you're obedient, you never know whose lives you're going to change. You never know what generation is going to rise up next because of your yes. It was because of a yes 20 years ago from our founders that led to our church back home in, in Illinois partnering with them, which led to an invitation for me going on a mission trip when I was one year sober after fighting alcoholism for many, many years. Uh, to then us being able to say yes to moving our lives across the world. And like Taka said, we're not qualified. We're the last people who probably should have been missionaries. Like, we both came from very broken backgrounds. But God puts broken pieces together for a beautiful display, right? And the kids that we get to work with, those are broken pieces that God just puts together for what in Isaiah it says— is oaks of righteousness. And it is such an honor for what we get to do at Zoe. A couple years ago, I moved into uh, a new role at Zoe. I do media full-time, a media missionary. It's pretty cool. Uh, but it's I have no background in media, so it's really stressful. I just thank God for whoever created YouTube uh, and text messaging. Like, that's been my lifeline for two years. Like, hey, how do I do this? Like, And for two years during COVID, everything shut down, all of our operations, basically. We haven't been able to do what we've been able to do in the past. So we've been able to sit here and say, what do we want to do as a media department? And for me, I felt like God was telling me, be the voice for the voiceless. Tell their stories as best as you can. Get word out of what reality is, how, how evil this world is and fight for them. So I started to do that, and I started to create testimonial videos from, you know, former Zoe kids and staff who have grown up at Zoe, and I take pictures, and there was one girl, her first day, I'll never forget this, because it's only happened one time, and I know I'm running late, I'm sorry, I'll go really fast here. Um, I blame it on the microphone, so that cut about a minute. So I need one extra minute. Uh, This girl, she came in, and every time a new kid comes, I take their picture, and we use it for, like, the government, and we use it for our database and things like that. So I'm sitting there taking her picture, and I'm looking at her right in the eyes through the lens, and there's nobody there. Nobody. Not an emotion. I don't even think she knew how to be sad. There was not even, I wouldn't even say a shell of a person. There was just 
nobody there. And she was like 15. Her life had already been to the worst parts possible that you could imagine. And over the course of her time at Zoe, she chose to be a Christian. She chose, she saw the difference that it was making in other people's lives. And she became a Christian. And um, I remember about two or three months ago, I stopped her outside of our rescue center. And she had gone from this person with, with just a shell at best to just being this girl who was like so happy and always smiling. And she would always pray for you. And she would always encourage you. And like this is a completely different person. And I just stopped her. And praise God, she had a translator right beside of her because I don't know that much Thai. Uh, But I just said, hey, I just want you to know that I've been watching, and you're a completely different person. I said, you have happiness. She had what Isaiah 61 talks about. And she just started crying. And she goes, I've felt it. She goes, I know I have, but no one's told me yet. And she goes, I didn't know if anybody else saw it. And she just cried. So then I started crying, right? Like, no, you do, right? She was completely transformed. And it's because somebody just took the time and shared the gospel with her. And she became a Christian and started her journey with Jesus and said, you know what? It's not about what I've been through. It's about where I'm going. And this girl, uh, she's another one of Heather's many shadows. Uh, Heather tutors her in English. She loves her so much. Um, And she left Zoe about... mm, a little bit before we came back to the States, but the day before she left, she wanted to do something. She wanted to get baptized. And then she wanted to go home and preach the gospel to her family who weren't Christians. So there's another photo. And this was right after she got baptized. She was so happy. But not as happy as my wife, probably. (laughs) You can't tell under the masks. But now she's home. She's evangelizing to her family. And she actually comes to our house every Monday to continue English lessons with Heather. Like, who wants to hang? What teenager wants to hang out with old people all the time? But she does. She goes out of her way because she has a future. She has a goal for her future, and she knows that she needs English for it. Um, So that's what we get to be a part of every day. And like I said, I get to do media, and it was an honor to do this one project. And this is what I'm going to close with is this one video that we're going to show this is like my first project that I got to do. And uh, it's, I love it. I love it so much because it's a story of a girl who was rescued, and she had her, another dramatic change from when she came to when she left. And the day before she left, she sat down, and she wrote a letter to our staff and to our missionaries just thanking them. Thank you for everything that you've done. And in the 15 years or 17 years that Zoe's been around, our leadership says she's the first one to do that. Kids will always say thank you. But to sit down and write a letter. When's the last time anybody wrote a letter? You write an email now, right? Or a text message. But to write a letter is way more personable, right? So she wrote this letter and she gave it to all of us. She made copies of it and handed each one of us or put it at our desk if we weren't there. And this video that we did, it's her story. And it's just so beautiful that we wanted to make a video about it for the world to see. Now, you're the first church that's ever been shown in. That's what happens when the media guy comes. <laughs> I have permission to show it. <laughs> Who do I have to ask? Oh, just ask the media. Yeah, it's, let's, let's show it. 
Uh, but this is a beautiful story, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And I hope you guys uh, don't feel too down from this message today because just we as a church just need to continue to impacting lives and leading people to Jesus. That's all we're here to do. My wife and I, we just do it from a long distance away. But just be obedient to God's calling, whatever it looks like for you. So I'm just going to sit down now, and I'm sorry for going over. Uh, but let's just play this video. It's called The Letter. to go outside with us? Yeah. When I live so in, I am no longer alone. Now, I have God and my Soe family who will walk alongside me. I know there are many more children out there who need your help. Thank you. 